0: you're with earth matters bringing you news where environment and social justice issues intersect today's show was produced on the lands of the Bunjalung nation in lismore new south wales the show is facilitated by radio 3cr in nam known as melbourne and broadcast across these stolen lands via the community radio network i'm beck horridge Today, veteran campaigner Al Oshlak will tell us of the work of the Indigenous Justice Advocacy Network. Stories behind stopping the Timbara Gold Mine, the North Lismore Plateau, the Iron Gates development.
1: I'm Al Oshlak. I'm the uh, researcher and advocate with Indigenous Justice Advocacy Network, IJAN, here in Lismore. The work of IJAN is that we are. Um, provide advocacy and legal services and advice to mainly Indigenous people uh, concerning cultural heritage protection, environment and planning and some native title issues. I'm a researcher and advocate with the organisation and uh, iGen was formed around about 25 years ago and it was formed by a group of um, Aboriginal elders and myself and some non-Indigenous people and we formed an association. And that association's been continuing. We deregistered the incorporation, but the association goes, is continue as an un- 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 unincorporated association. We mainly sort of, you know, where there's proposed developments and logging, forestry, mining, uh, sort of all those sort of things and hangers on that go with those sort of things. And we uh, provide for our clients uh, a service in which they can basically. We can negotiate on their behalf uh, and if we're not satisfied that areas will be protected, we often just uh, begin legal legal proceedings against various nefarious organisations such as the miners and the government and developers and, and things like that. So that, that's basically what we do. We're a very, very busy organisation. We have a number of proceedings on foot at any one time and some of these proceedings go on for quite a number of years.
0: And what would you say is, what was one of your best wins in more recent years?
1: Oh, I think North Ismore Plateau stands out. It was a, it was a very big win. Uh, it stopped a, a major development in here in North Ismore, which is on one of the most sacred sites in the Bunjalung Nation. And it, it took a lot of, lot of effort. And um, the lit- the, actually, the litigation's still ongoing. After we won the litigation, we're now uh, in court. Uh, I think tomorrow is actually the last day hopefully uh in which we're proceeding for the developer to 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 remediate the areas and reinstate the land that they had destroyed because during this during this uh, court case we had no injunction and we only had a a small undertaking after they had removed trees they weren't allowed to remove any further trees um and so the work kept going for about seven months, between October 2019, I think, throughout to May of 2020, in which the court validated the development approval that they were undertaking the work in, in um, undertaking the work. So they had done a lot of damage, as you could imagine, and we've been in court now for about. Another 15 months trying to force the uh, developer to reinstate the land.
0: You mean like regenerate the land or give it back?
1: Oh uh, well, it's all. It's not about a give back. It's on their land. Except for there is there is an issue over some crown land um, road reserves are on their land, and uh, we part of our court case cases that there's native title rights exist on that land. But basically, the the reinstatement it's. It's you know, it's an argument we want them to enhance what they destroyed and they want to do less reinstate less than what they wanted to destroy. And in fact, they're making a claim that some of the destruction which included a hall road that they, that they built between the top of the plateau to the bottom of the plateau, in which they bought you know truckloads of fill, which they filled that bottom area, which was going to be the first precinct for this development, so, when uh, constructing that Hall Road, the cause the road after they left town, following the win in the court case, the road washed away, and has turned basically into a huge uh, stormwater drain, and um, which is every time it rains just pumps water and 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 pollution down into the uh, the bottom part of the development. And there's an argument there that we say that that water is going. A, into the neighbouring land, which is the showground, which has a number of Aboriginal sites. So, I mean, I think that's the case in a nutshell. So that's uh, on Thursday, the last day. We've already had three days of this, plus about, I don't know how many, maybe nine or ten or eleven different interlocutory proceedings to reach this point.
0: So So is the Sleeping Lizard Mountain up for protection at the moment or just part of it?
1: Part of the area is, uh, was uh, council land, or they called it council land. Although we've made inquiries, we don't know how he, even the council how uh, had obtained the land. There's no there's no records of this, so we class that as a type of crown land. And after last year, the council, prior to now, it's turned into a right wing national party rabble. But before that, there was a there was a cross section of the council who, well, nearly all the council, but one councillor, voted to hand that council land back to the um, Aboriginal traditional owners. And uh, so that that small portion is three lots of land there that they handed back as part of a handback. The, the handback's not completed yet. They're still doing, um, you know, negotiations with the native title lawyers that are involved with the, with the native title claim of the Widgeable people. So that's just ongoing. The rest of the land is in private ownership and the plan is to build um, up to 2000 lots which is pretty massive it's actually the biggest development ever seen in Lismore. and uh as you could expect it's going to cause a lot of a lot of damage to uh, a lot of uh, aboriginal sites and to the environment where this this plateau uh, contains a lot of um endangered species uh, particularly microbats in australia it's 68 about 68 different species of microbats, and 23 of them, those species, are on the plateau. And of of that 23, about 12 or 13 are listed as threatened or endangered or vulnerable.
0: You have a lot of experience of trying to protect cultural heritage and environmental values the big sort of questions is what's the state of the law or do we just need a complete overhaul you know what's the point in spending so long in court when there's so many times we lose surely the laws are all wrong and don't you get just tired of engaging with a system that's effed
1: um i'm a i'm a sort of person as i think i've said before that i try not to become too attached i do it without having big expectations one way or the other. So. I take the losses and the wins as they come, rather than trying to be too attached to it and get stressed and all that. Although it's very stressful what I do, and as I said, we have a we have a lot of proceedings on foot. And yes, you know the the laws, the judges, the politics, um, they all play a, a role in protecting environment. And of course, you know a lot of the laws are are really, especially cultural heritage. Cultural heritage laws are a lot weaker than protection for the environment and protection of environment laws also have quite a few flaws and that's added into sort of what say what are the planning laws you know the, the giving of development consents for approving for developments so that that comes down into planning laws so over the years the the governments of new south wales have just weakened the protections of those laws and and quite a lot of developments uh it's very very difficult to even take them to court if you wanted to uh, commence a proceeding to try and stop or, you know, not mitigate or mitigate, you know, the impacts of certain developments. I mean, just recently, for instance, in Byron Bay, there's a big development called West Byron and it's all over this wetland and there's koalas and a lot of other species and environmental issues. And, you know, there was a situation there where the council actually rejected the development and the and the population of Byron is just dead against this development. It's going to cause like major pollution problems. And uh, and so the the developer took it to court. The the rejection. And then when they got to court, the the Byron Shire councillors' legal team didn't didn't defend the decision. And so since the decision wasn't defended, the commissioner who was hearing that case just. Said he had no choice but to accept what the developer wanted, and that that development went through really easily after years and years of you know protest and and lobbying and politics and stuff like that. So I mean, you know, there there is the law, and then there's the way the law can be manipulated. I would say would be my uh, understanding of that sort of thing. I mean, this is this is just one. You know, one example, which I, I'm actually, it's not a case which I'm actually doing. It's just a, an example of some of the things that, you know, you, you have to deal with, and there are lots of things. It's, mining law also is, you know, very fraught. It's very difficult, very difficult to stop mines. I I, I have done a number of mining cases. I've done gold and coal gold mines, coal mines, uranium mines. Our biggest success there was against the Timbara mine, which is past Drake, between Tenterfield and Tabulum, and it's a, and a magnificent, beautiful um, Aboriginal site, and um, and forests, and and you know many endangered species, and that that mine, we had thirteen different, I think thirteen separate proceedings, maybe less, maybe twelve separate proceedings, um, and in the end we we won. Some of the main ones which was a challenge to their water license and a challenge to their mine extension but to get to that point the miners had already started they'd built a huge uh, access road which wiped out some habitat of i think it's called the new Ho- new holland mice and plus they destroyed quite a number of aboriginal scar trees um, and then they moved on to the to extend their mine operation and they uh, eventually got stopped they they'd cleared a whole area and after that clearing, we got an injunction and the court found that they had acted in such a way that the the mining couldn't proceed. And then there were some other cases about what are they going to do with all the pollution, their their dams and polluted dams and wastewater and stuff. But at the end of the day, they lost and people were a bit stunned by it all in that, because they had done so much damage. And we said, we just pointed out to them that what we stopped, it took us that long to stop them, but the... The uh, overall project of the mine was to be five times bigger than what they had, what they had undertaken, and in the end, in an out-of-court settlement, they've never been able to reopen that mine, so it's been sitting there now for twenty years, a bit over twenty years. So, so I mean, I don't know if I can really answer the the full question because there's so many different ways to look at it. You know, and in every case, as I say, you know, turns on its own facts, its own evidence, and its own way of. uh, Piecing together it's uh piecing together the uh legislation and how you formulate it in such a way that you can um even go to court so i mean you know we don't win you know we lose cases and we win cases it's all it's all very very difficult but i one of the things that we have found that we fit our litigation in and we try to uh with the you know people who wish to protest you know to direct direct protests so because we've found that when there's Protests and their arrests. I'm not. I'm not a big one for arrests. Wasted arrests. I'm not a very big way. They have a protest and people get arrested and virtually they get their, their their tripods pulled down and all this and then they get you know they 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 have got to spend the next two years in 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 in, in court fighting you know their arrests. Um, so you know I, I've said that one of the things you you need to have in these types of Protests, whether it's forests or mining or a d- development, you need a you need a plan to put your litigation in line with the protests. Because if you win the litigation, the the protests uh, can get off get off their uh, their charges.
0: That was Al Oshlak talking about the work of the Indigenous Justice Advocacy Network. <laughs> This is Earth Matters, bringing you news of the changing environment and the resulting hits to social justice. I'm Beck Horridge. And now again, Al Oshlak from the Indigenous Justice Advocacy Network, talking about how companies try to bankrupt activists to disempower them as they then can't take further legal actions.
1: Uh, i have said that one of the things you you need to have in these types of protests, whether it's forest or mining or d- development you need a you need a plan to put your litigation in line with the protests because if you win the litigation the, the, the protests uh can get off get off their uh, their charges so at Iron Gates, which is a big coastal development we were involved in during the nineties, you know there was about fifty or sixty arrests and charges hundreds of charges. Uh, I think I was even one. But, but when we won that court case, which proved that they were acting illegally, the, the charges were all dismissed. And similarly at Timbara, the one I just talked about, at mine company, they that, that had a protest that went for over two and a half years. So it would be one of the longer blockades. Not, not as long as some of those ones in Tasmania, but it went for quite a good deal of the um, the protest and there was quite a number of arrests. And uh, again, all those people who were arrested were able to... Have their charges dismissed after we successfully stop the mining?
0: Al, I know you're not paid for this. Is that correct?
1: <laughs> well, well, I, yeah. I, I, we fundraise. I don't pay myself out of it. I'm, I'm I, I get my a pension, and um, I, I'm a very simple living person, so I don't need much to live on. Um, if so, people
0: want to chip in and contribute to your work, can
1: they? Yeah, yeah, we have a we have a, a bank account, or we're just opening up a new bank account, and people do donate. We get a we get. I mean, we wouldn't be able to do it without our donations. So, and some of the cases we, we win, we actually get our our costs back, but we don't charge our clients. Oh, we don't we don't charge our clients. Yeah. So I mean, and uh, so we provide. You know, we've got a, we've got a little kitty as you'd say and with that we pay for the um if we need to you know different different motions in court they all cost money to file summonses cost money you know researching documents printing photocopying uh scanning all all those things uh we also have a, a paralegal it helps us but she does a lot of our our um, electronic filing and stuff like that so you know it's a bit of a team teamwork she she, she gets paid and if we're, if if we're successful, she's, she's been paid a couple of times from successful court cases when we've, we've won costs. You know, there is a danger, though, that um, if we lose cases, costs may be awarded against us, so against my clients. And we have lost cases, but um, it's been many years now before any of the clients have been put to the task of trying to pay their costs.
0: One Indigenous person at NADOC mentioned to me that companies often try and bankrupt yes. Indigenous people who are making claims. Have you got any comments about that?
1: Yeah, I've done bankruptcies fairly early on, during the early 2000s. For instance, at Timbara, and I was sort of a bit new to it all, but at Timbara, my clients, David Mundine and Andrew Donnelly, traditional owners from the Western Bundjalung, they had a, a small debt from a cost, from a from an interlocutory hearing of some sort, this is before I be- and represented them, but anyway, there was five or six thousand dollars, and the company lawyers got a, a garnishing order, a cost order, where they can force they force the um, the people to um, go to court, and they they can get examined on their financial situation, and they'd sent process services knocked down their doors, or it was, it was pretty full on. And anyway, after that, because they went through that process, they then tried to um, bankrupt them. Bankruptcy proceedings commence after that, after their debt has been ordered by what's called a creditor's petition. And following the creditor's petition, you can respond to that creditor's petition. And after that, they go to a bankruptcy notice where they they get the court to issue a bankruptcy. So the idea of all that complex, because we Spent a lot of time in court on this particular bankruptcy. We fought the actual bankruptcy in the, in the federal court and we were successful. We beat them off. Wow. And, um, and the idea was it's not that they wanted the money. They'd spent 10 times the amount of money to get the bankruptcy than what was owed. But the idea is if you have a bankruptcy, then you can control the financial person's financials that you have a trustee. And in doing so, therefore, you're not allowed to take any legal proceeding. Under the Bankruptcy Act, if you um, if you are a bankrupt, and that was the idea, because Andrew and David, my clients, they were still in the Land Environment Court fighting these other cases against this Timbara Mine Company. So that was the idea, but uh, they failed at that. In that way, that bankruptcy was forth. There was another bankruptcy of Mr. Alan Carriage, who was fighting a um, huge development north of Wollongong at the rule, and uh, he also had a. A small costs order against him, I think it was a bit more than Andrew and Dave. I think it was about thirty or forty thousand I'm not sure the, this company took him commenced the bankruptcy proceeding against Mr. Carriage, who was a, an elderly man. He was on the pension he, he he had no he had no assets or anything. but they began proceeding. Well, we went to this law company because it's difficult for me to represent these types of cases. We went to this law company and they were sort of one of these law companies that pretend they do pro bono and you know they help help people and etc cetera, etc cetera. and even the lawyer he had said he was a christian or something and anyway we we began the defense of this matter etc etc and and we and we got to the we got to the to the I remember the day the day of the court the actual court we got we got to the court and we we're standing outside the supreme court in sydney and and the lawyer he came in And he came up and says, oh, we're no longer going to represent you, Mr. Carriage, they said. And in fact, we're going to join the, the creditors petition as a party because you owe us something like $50,000 already in legal fees. It was, it was unbelievable. I, I, I did get a bit cranky with him. And anyway, we I just went into the court at the federal court and uh, explained to the judge that what, what had just happened and um and the judge i can't remember but it, it 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 did get thrown out it did get thrown out in the end and then they tried to reignite it and uh they had this lawyer it was a big big fella like a rugby union he actually was a rugby union player and we were in the in the building of the court and he ran after Mr carriage who who he, he Mr carriage just had his one of his toes amputated. He was—he he didn't move very fast, and Mister. Carriage was trying to get into the lift, and uh, I was standing outside the lift. And this guy ran up to me and threw me to the ground and tried to get into the lift. And then um, I'm not sure—you know—the papers weren't served. He was trying to serve these papers, so then they got a a process server to go after Mister. Carriage, and you know we were doing a lot of. Court work in this building, and we came back about a week later, and this guy had turned up. But you're not allowed to serve papers on someone unless it's your own case in in a court building. You 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 got to do process serving outside a court building. Anyway, this this guy just hustled Alan Carriage, and anyway, he got into the into the um, I think it's called Victoria Square, it's just outside the Supreme court building and near near the church there that old church and he he he, he cornered mr carriage alan alan carriage that's his name he, he refused to take the papers and then the, the the guy threw them at his feet sometimes they try to say you they've served you and if you don't take it and they throw it at your feet and alan just turned away and just left it there and i came out of the lift then and across the square, and there's papers like you know, scattered all around the place and the guy came and says, I've served them on Alan Carriage, you know, he's giving given me the the big scene. And I said, I tell you what, mate, you better pick it up because you're littering. You know, look at it. You know, making all this mess around here with all these papers. So, you know, just piss off. <laughs> I am being polite. I'm, I was a bit more a bit more grounded on that fella. But yeah, so bankruptcy is a is a tactic that the uh, developers and miners use. Yeah, with the Indigenous Justice Advocacy Network, and I really like to thank you, Beck, and all the great work that's been carried out by many people here, especially on the North Coast, and um, and I, I wish everyone well. I wish blessings for themselves, and the family, and our animals and trees and forests and country. You know, and our rivers. So we, we we always put our love there. That's what what I what I really try to speak about. That it's, it's through love and through respect and and things like that and peace that will bring that true harmony in our planet and true harmony in each other. And I think one of the things I try to emphasize is that really, it's really important to get inside your own heart, meditation into that way, and try to build up um, a strength um, uh, to, to if you want to take on these types of work, not get yourself burnt out. That's the danger. Not, not to be, um, feel a... Like, uh, Despair, uh, these types of um, these types of uh, emotional feelings um, uh, are an anathema if you want to continue in, in, in doing something. Because in the end, if you burn out yourself, you're no good to yourself, and you're not really helping anybody else. You, you be, you're, you're becoming entrapped. So it's important to really, you know, do practice, whether it's meditation or yoga or sitting peacefully. To be kind to people, kind to animals, be good to your friends and your parents and your families. That that that's that's a key component of of, of survival. And by doing that and building that network, you we, we can um, we, we can overcome a lot of obstacles and I've seen over the years there are there are positives positives have come out. <laughs> and uh, and so that that's how I like to wind up, just to again, you know, emphasize blessing and welcoming. As a, as a major tool, as a, as a significant tool in our armory, for to to try and stop this what's nothing more than environmental vandalism and cultural heritage racism on a on a broad scale.
0: You can connect with Al Oshlak and the Indigenous Justice Advocacy Network by email ijanoffice at gmail.com, I-J-A-N-O-F-F-I-C-E at gmail.com, or Al's phone number, which is 0415140410. (laughs) You have been listening to Earth Matters. This edition was produced for Radio 3CR in Nam Melbourne, Wurundjeri country, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. If you'd like to get in touch with the Earth Matters team, you can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook on Earth Matters 3CR Radio. And to listen to or to share editions of Earth Matters, you can find this. And all the Earth Matters podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. Look out for more from the Earth Matters team next week. I'm Beck Horridge. Here's the formidable vegetables with climate movement.
1: I believe we all came to be here for a reason. To acknowledge the seniors, everything has a season. This season is warm, but it's bringing a storm and a burning urge for our journey to transform. But held in our hand at this grave intersection is a map of the passage for a clearer direction to a permanent culture. It's time we began it with some wise design to realign with the planet, share skills to rebuild our combined reliance, and with wild guidance, redesign our diet, befriend energy descent and the change in climate, to grow forests of food and a finer environment. Permaculture at this tumultuous juncture is a superstructure that can plug the puncture in a society of anxiety, confusion and greed. This really may be one solution we need to bring back our elements essence of